And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And good morning. I'm Gary McNamara. We are all across the world. We are Red Eye Radio. Eric is on assignment. <laughs> I'm here with uh, you. Good morning. Download our app today and listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight. Uh, Details emerging yesterday from the shooting in Nashville that left three children and three adults dead uh, when an assailant targeted a Christian school uh, uh, came out at a press conference yesterday. The police chief, John Drake, said authorities learned through interviews that the assailant's parents, uh, excuse me, with interviews with the assailant's parents, that the shooter had legally purchased seven firearms from five local gun stores. Three were used in the attack at the Covenant School. The parents said the shooter, whom authorities identified as a 28-year-old former student, Audrey Hale, was, quote, under a doctor's care for emotional disorder, end of quote, Drake said. Law enforcement knew nothing about the treatment the shooter was receiving, but the parents felt that the shooter should not own the weapons, uh, the uh, parents believed, apparently from the interview, uh, that the shooter, their daughter, had sold the only weapon that they thought she had. And so that was some of the information that came out yesterday. The The response was was pretty quick from the, uh, the media to an attempt to uh, assess uh, blame. Uh, we brought you... There was a article, uh, Charles Cook in National Review, Therefore What? Uh, it said, Terry Moran said the following on ABC TV yesterday. Uh, he mischaracterized the legislation in Tennessee and implied it might have been related to the attack. And let me just get to that here. Um I printed it up, and it, there's when you, you know when you print when you print something up, and it gets blocked. If, if there's a picture in it, it gets blocked. That's what just happened to me. But um, 
Here's what Terry Moran said. The shooter identified herself as a transgender person. The state of Tennessee earlier this month passed the governor uh, passed and the governor signed a bill that banned transgender medical care for minors, as well as a law that prohibited adult entertainment as well uh, as male and female impersonators uh, after a series of drag show controversies in that state. You know, that's for minors. So. Ms. Charles Cook writes, I would like to know what is supposed to come next in Moran's sequence. The shooter was transgender. Tennessee had passed some laws she didn't like. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, what happened makes sense? Therefore, she had no other choice but to murder some nine-year-olds? Therefore, the state of Tennessee is guilty in some sense? What? What comes next? I'd like to know why these facts were raised as they were, because to be quite honest with you, I cannot see an innocent explanation for Moran having juxtaposed them with the news he was relaying. Certainly, we can quibble over the scale of Moran's implication, but there seems little doubt that his words were explanatory in nature. And unless such explanations are followed by immediate condemnation, which Moran's were not, that's a pretty massive problem, right? Elsewhere yesterday, NBC reporter named Benjamin Ryan tweeted that NBC had ID'd the Nashville shooter as 28 years old, who identifies as transgender with no previous criminal record. Nashville is home to the Daily Wire, a hub of anti-trans activity. Okay, therefore what? And he mentioned Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, and Ben Shapiro. Okay, therefore what? Therefore, Walsh, Shapiro, and Knowles are ultimately responsible? Therefore, the shooter should have targeted those people instead? Therefore, what? I'd like to know. And that was just the beginning yesterday. We brought you how that liberal transgender activist movement uh, group... uh, actually uh, attempted to portray the murderer as a victim, that there were two victims, the people that were murdered and the murderer because the murderer felt that she had no other choice. What? This is the insanity. Then you had... The press secretary for Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs. She posts, and this was, I mean, it's just, it it was mind-boggling. She sent a tweet that had a picture of a woman basically with two handguns in her hands, you know, just pointing them and saying, this is what we do to transphobes. Pointing guns at transphobes. What? So that's the reaction from the left. And so I think it's 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 such a horrendous thing that happened. But eventually we were going to have to need, we were going to have to have this discussion and it would have been accelerated. And that is just, you know, the liberal transgender activist movement, the way they're talking about the fact that they're in a genocide and they have to fight back against whom? 
There is no genocide of, of transgenders in this country. That's a lie. And then you find out, well, part of the oppression, which is part of the genocide, is the fact that now you have governments coming out and saying, wait a minute, parents have to be informed if their kids, their minor kids, are identifying as another gender and wish to have hormone treatments or sex change operations. Because that's what they view now as a genocide. Yesterday in a congressional hearing, you had uh, a representative of the Biden administration come out and say, yep, Biden wants taxpayer dollars to go to minors' sex change operations. Another story that came out yesterday, Breitbart had it. A Canadian study, a 2022 study found that youth who identify as transgender are at the highest risk of any other group of violent radicalization. The study titled The Meaning of Life, Future Orientation and Support for Violent Radicalization Among Canadian College Students During the COVID-19 Pandemic explored the extent to which different demographics were open to violent radicalization. It was a 2022 study of Quebec youth. Uh, And they uh, did a very diverse sample of Canadian college students. The research included 3,100 participants between the ages of 16 and 25 years of age from 18 different colleges in Quebec. Those who identified as transgender or gender diverse accounted for 2.5% of the participants or 79 respondents. It found that transgender and gender diverse students reported higher support for violent radicalization compared to students who identified as women. In fact, youth who identified as transgender or gender diverse were at the highest risk for violent radicalization. And this is where you get into, again, what we know, extremely high suicide rate. You know, the gender dysphoria, as they call it. And and what goes through the mind of a person who has gender dysphoria and what makes them more suicidal. And when you see studies like the one in Canada you look and wonder and you say, yeah, there are mental issues here that have to be dealt with. And here you have the Democrats supporting, as far as I know, it's as unanimous as you can get. You've got the president talking about 
well, they call it gender-affirming surgery. I call it mutilation of children without the parents' permission. This is, again, when we say this constantly, and at times I feel like, you know, some people, if you're a first-time listener, going, oh, he's just being over the top. Well, I'm not. I didn't. We're just observing what they do and what they say. So there you go. And, I mean, such a such a tragedy, but, again, to sit there and this is how far it's gone. Somebody commits murder. And the people that are the victims of the murderer and the mindset of the organization, the the school, and or Christianity, or the belief that, look, you may be who you are. Speaking of Canadians, uh, the the Canadian study, there's a, you know, when when you look at the whole transgender movement, I was think, uh, thinking about it the other day. There's a band called uh, uh, Toronto. I think it was What About Love that Heart did. Remember that song? They actually created the song. Uh, but they had a song, Do What You Want to Do, Be What You Want to Be, Just Don't Step on My Shoes. And that's why there's the pushback. Nobody is saying that an adult American can't do whatever they wish to do. That's not the point. It's the children. It's trying to brainwash the children. And how evil and perverted is that? Let the children make irreversible decisions without the parents being involved. And then they come back and state that that's part of the genocide. And because there's a pushback on that, because that's where the pushback is, You're being told you need to stop it. You need to stop talking about science and that a biological man can't be a biological woman just because they say so. And a biological man should be able to compete in sports because if you're against that, well, then they may commit suicide. And now, and Eric and I had this discussion yesterday when we said, if this is what it is, it's going to up to this. And it did, which is if you hold that mindset then in a way that justifies murder because that transgender who commits that murder is a victim of your hate. And what's the hate? Not telling you what to do as an adult, but telling you that irreversible surgery on a child without parents' permission is a no-go. And that you can't change science and biology. You may think that's what you are and go live that life. But don't force it upon me that I must acknowledge that biologically you are something else. And don't force it on me that because of that you eliminate and you have a misogynist, femophobic mindset to deny women their opportunities. 866-927-5278. 866-90-RED-EYE. Even as COVID dies down, the agriculture and food industry is still suffering from supply chain issues, especially when it comes to transporting goods. Issues involving... The rail industry, 
the trucking industry and the ports. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack telling the House Ag Committee Tuesday. I think it's uh, fair to say that we have some serious issues with reference to the rail industry. The fact that they may very well be understaffed at this point. Same with a continuing shortage of truck drivers, and Vilsack said despite fewer news headlines about it. We still have some challenges with reference to the ports. And of course, USDA not directly in charge of trains, trucks, or ports, but is still concerned about the problems. So part of the challenge that we have to undertake at USDA is to make sure that we express those concerns to the boards and commissions that are in charge of surface transportation, in charge of ports, to make sure that they know that that the problems have not been totally solved. And they're taking a toll on the farm and food industry. Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In Trot Radio, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eric isn't here. I am. <laughs> uh, looking at uh, some of the other news from uh, from Nashville, the story of the head of the school um, went right for the shooter, was killed. And then the uh, the courage of her to do that. And then the police video. Wow. The police video. To, to watch it, you know, and and uh, as and it's like two minutes, it's a little over two minutes long from when it started, I'm assuming when they get on the school, as they're going hallway to hallway, door to door. And it actually shows, I mean, you don't see any blood or anything, but you see the shots that, you know, that, that kill the, the suspect. And uh, you realize at that point, 
what police go through. You know what you what you have to do when you have that job, and it was at the end of it. You know you're watching it, and you know you know what happened, and you know that the police are safe, but still, it's horrifying to see. And when it was when it was all done, it was emotional to see. I mean, it was extremely emotional to watch something like that. I think probably a lot of people had the exact same, uh, you know, feeling. Uh, at that uh, at that point, uh, but uh, the 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 courage of the police officers to go in and do that, the courage of the uh, was she the principal of the school? They say the leader of the school, but the principal. I'm just reading the the article to go in and 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 just confront the you know the courage to confront, and then she was killed by it. You know, it's just. There are great people on this earth. There are great people that, you know, wish to protect uh, children. Uh, And then, of course, we have the politics of it. Pastors and conservative leaders weighed in on the reaction by journalists and entertainers who have mocked prayer and brought attention to Tennessee's drag show ban amid the Christian elementary school massacre. Um. As a nation grapples with the murders of three adults and three children, Tennessee faith leaders responded to criticism by journalists who mocked prayer and blamed conservatives for outlawing drag shows for kids and not guns. Wow. And they go through all the different ones, you know, here that were uh, said. Wow. Wow. If thoughts and prayers alone work to stop gun violence, there wouldn't have been a shooting. Nobody ever said that. I don't know anybody that's ever said that prayers will will prevent tragedy. There is a perversion again from Sharon Watts, a gun control activist. Just amazing. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is off today. He'll be off for the next couple of days. He's uh, he's not doing marketing for the show. They let him out of the, the cage here. I must stay in the cage. They occasionally feed me and give me water. I... Uh, <laughs> All right, a Manhattan grand jury, this from the New York Post, will not consider evidence against former President Donald Trump in the Stormy Daniels hush money case this week. The Post has learned. The move means a potential indictment of the ex-president can't be handed up before next week at the earliest, but sources familiar with the matter told the New York Post The panel isn't expected to take up the Trump case even next week. 
The grand jury is scheduled to reconvene Thursday, but the Trump case will not be on its agenda. The reason for the delay was not clear. Under state law, 16 of the grand jury's 23 members need to be present for them to conduct any business. And only those who've heard the testimony from all key witnesses can vote on whether to hand up an indictment against Trump. By the way, why do they do this? This is, I just wanted, this just popped into my mind. This is from the New York Post. I'm just, this is how they write it. Under state law, 16 of the grand jury's 23 members need to be present for them to conduct any business, and only those who've heard the testimony from all key witnesses can vote on whether to hand up the indictment against Trump, 76. That's his age. Why is his age pertinent to that sentence? I'm just, I've seen that before when they just throw in the age. It's not like, you know, if if there was a suspect in a crime and you'd say the age of the suspect because that's part of identifying who they are. Everybody knows Trump is in his 70s. But why, why would you put that? As an editor, I'd look and go, why do you put his age in? How is his age relevant to what the grand jury does? So, uh, but this is really, all right, I'll, I'll move past my irritation towards that. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I will say this was about a week ago where I was just shaking my head looking at Eric. And I, I think I said it this way. I said, what am I missing? Because this was after, this would have been, um, oh, the uh, the attorney that uh, had represented Cohen, his uh, legal advisor, uh, he had testified. And after he had testified and said everything Cohen says is a lie, and then after the New York Post posted that, you know, the emails that showed that Cohen's other lawyers had told the feds, nah. Cohen did it all. Trump knew nothing about any of this. And it was probably a week ago, right at this time, where I was shaking my head and saying, "What am I, I feel like I'm missing something. You'd have to be delusional if this, if these are the facts that are what going on in the grand jury, there's no way you can bring this to a court, even if you had all uh, never-Trumpers in there that said we don't care whether we don't care about the law we don't care about anything it's trump guilty it's not going to it would be an embarrassment and odds are you're going to have some judge up the line throw this thing out saying this is just ridiculous what you're attempting to do here have you heard anyone on the left anyone say that this is a case worth bringing that it is built on legit legal grounds? I haven't. Maybe somebody has on on MSNBC, are they a legal expert? Not just somebody throwing around rhetoric going, it's Trump, he did it, Uh, throw him in jail, throw the key away. You know something? Death penalty. I've never believed in the death penalty at all, and I know even though this is a white-collar crime, the death penalty. And even though the part that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the of the, the the money and the business fraud would be a white collar crime thing the misdemeanor i've 
I'm only for the death penalty for white-collar crimes, not violent crimes. Written in the New York statute, white-collar crimes punishable by death, but only if it's Donald J. Trump. Uh, But it all got down to when I was shaking my head saying, this DA can't be that delusional, talking to Eric. I went, oh, wait a minute. He's the guy that became the DA and said, all right, I'm not going to prosecute people with a gun who commit an armed robbery at a store unless they shoot the gun. Well, I'll prosecute them, but it will not be a felony. It'll only be a misdemeanor. That can't hold, not even in New York City, and he had to back off on it. And then I realized he can be this delusional. If he was that delusional to believe that the public would accept that, And I've always wondered if that's like the trial balloon of the far left. All right, let me let me see if I can get this past them. All right, Uh, we're we're completely we're completely anti-gun. We don't believe anybody should own a gun, but if you use a gun in the commission of an armed robbery, but don't shoot it, it's only going to be a misdemeanor. Makes no sense, but there you go. All right, I want to. I found the audio that I was looking to find from Rand Paul, who was on Fox News last night. I thought it was interesting because he said he's a hundred percent confident that that uh, Fauci has lied to us. Here's part of his conversation yesterday. I'm 100% confident that Fauci lied to us and that they were doing dangerous research there. And I would say all of the evidence I've seen so far points towards it coming from a lab. And it all adds together. And proximity makes a difference. The fact that the lab is within walking distance of where most of the coronaviruses in the world, the largest collection of coronaviruses in the world, is within walking distance of where this started. Yeah, it's just too many coincidences to add up. But there's also evidence that this virus, COVID-19, is the product of something that was being developed and experimented upon. The group in Wuhan actually asked our Defense Department for money and said they wanted to take a coronavirus like COVID and put something in it to make it more infectious. It's called a furin cleavage site. It's not found in nature, and that's exactly what COVID turned out to be. So this is a this is a mystery, but it's also a mystery with a cover-up. We've now found that American universities have given money to military research in China. And we are going to get to the bottom of this, but there's a massive cover-up going on, and the lead in all of the cover-up has been Fauci. We now have information that he's still working for government, even though he says he's retired, and it is my belief that he is worried about being indicted, and so he continues to work, so he will get legal protection of the federal government. But this is wrong on every level of it, and we are going to get to the bottom of it. We are sending a letter to find out what the actual status of his employment is. Is he retired? Is he still getting a federal detail? So there's a lot of stuff going on, but at the top of this, at the top of every sort of concern we have, it's Tony Fauci. Wow. Wow. Those are some intense allegations. Uh, So far, when you look back at it, I'm trying to think of what Rand Paul was not right on that he was eviscerated for two years ago at this time. You know, you look at so much 
of what we were told of COVID that turned out not to be true. And the other thing I'm happy about, and I'll see if I can find if there's any audio wanted from any of the hearings, is the Republicans are now investigating the school closures across the country. Like, how did that happen? And Eric and I have always looked back at that and said, that's really one of the the strangest things because we knew from the very, very beginning, there's two things that there's two things that really never changed. We knew that people over 65 with underlying conditions and extra weight. And, and Rand Paul had said that earlier in the interview, you know, you look at the number of people that, you know, got vaccinated at that point, it's like 98%. It's a huge number of people at that point. And he said, because they are, and that science has always stuck, they're the most vulnerable. But young people aren't at all. To the point, I forgot who was, I don't know if it was Rand Paul. But, uh, oh, it was some congressman or senator asking somebody about it and said, can you tell me one single minor? And it was like some anyone between the ages of 3 and 17 years of age, whatever, or maybe it was 3 and 13, I'm not sure, that, that anyone who died of COVID that didn't have, wasn't immune compromised or didn't have a serious underlying condition, he said, why don't we have that number? And the point is making is nobody's ever talked about what that number is because it's so few that even got that got sick that from the very beginning, Eric and I were saying, you know, because you had Randy Weingarten out there in this teachers union, schools must be closed, must be closed, mass, mass, schools must be closed, closed, mass, closed, mask. And it was like, what? Where is this coming from? The science doesn't back it up. And we said this from the very, very beginning. And they just stuck to it. Now the Republicans are going to investigate that, as they should. So, yeah, Rand Paul making that, that's really, I mean, the, the some of the new things out there is when he said uh, universities, Amer- we've now found that American universities have given money to military research in China. Well, I want to get to the bottom of that one. What are you talking about? And the fact, as you said, a group in Wuhan actually asked our Defense Department for money, and they said they wanted to take a coronavirus like COVID and put something in it to make it more infectious. Eric and I talked last week or the week before, can't remember exactly when it was, when Fauci was making his rounds after more allegations were thrown at him and he has evolved in his position on, you know, whether COVID came from the lab and now is saying, well, it might have come from nature, gone to the lab, and then it just escaped from the lab and that would still be from nature. Or it might have come from nature, might have been manipulated in the lab and got out, but hey, that still might be nature. Well, no, because we know the virus came from nature. But in the second scenario that he gave, he's talking about, at that point, gain of function, which he denied. 
So it's, I am fascinated because Rand Paul, for the most part, has been right on everything since the very beginning. And so when he comes out and says, these are, this is what is happening, I, I want to see the evidence on it. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. All right, here's his headline. Humans, the Daily Mail UK, humans will achieve immortality in eight years, says former Google engineer who has predicted the future with 86% accuracy. (laughs) Ray Kurzweil predicts nanobots will help achieve human immortality. The technology will repair cells and tissues that deteriorate as the body ages. So he's made 147 predictions, and they claim 86 have come true. He spoke on a YouTube channel discussing the expansion in genetics, nanotechnology, and robotics, which he believes will lead to age-reversing nanobots. Uh, His uh, comments were met with excitement and skepticism. He said these tiny robots will repair damaged cells and tissues that deteriorate as the body ages and make us immune diseases to diseases like cancer. Now, will I get one? Will I get the treatment first because I'm older? And in eight years, will I want to live forever? <laughs> or <laughs> with where the I like this with where the world is heading. Would immortality in itself be a death sentence? is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge seasons one and two of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. 